Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 227 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today, I am blessed to be joined by Melissa, Chelsea's mom. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about Starlight Ministries. That is the organization that I do a virtual support group through. So if you are interested in becoming a part of one of our virtual support groups, they meet on Tuesday nights and the next session is starting at the beginning of February. So you can find out more about that by going to starlightmin.org or by emailing stephanie at starlightmin.org and you can find out more information about how you too could participate. Also, if you want to share your story on the podcast, or if you just want to share your story with me, feel free to email me, Marcy, M-A-R-C-Y at andysmom.com. I just love hearing from listeners, and I know we've just been through a really tough part of the year getting through the holidays. So if you kind of want to make a fresh start and want to be a part of a support group or share your story, now would be a great time to do that. Right now, though, I just want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Melissa, Chelsea's mom. Thank you so much, Melissa, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thank you for having me and thank you for what you do. Oh, well, I'm just blessed to have you here. I have to tell the audience, I know Melissa a little better than most of the guests that come on because Melissa has been taking part in our Starlight Support Group. And uh, obviously I have Melissa's full permission to tell you that because normally we would not go announcing who's in support group with me, but she thought it would be good to let you know. And I think it's nice too to let you know that you too can be a part of the Starlight Support Group if you write in and go to the starlightmen.org and say that you are interested in being a part of the virtual group. So yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's been it's really been a blessing, I think, for all of us who are involved. So the next one will start up at the beginning of February. So you have a little bit of time to go ahead and find out more about it if you'd want to be interested. But why don't we start out now, Melissa, by just talking about your daughter, Chelsea? Okay. Chelsea was born August 28th of 95. She actually tried to come early a couple of different <laughs> times. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh, yes. Um, once at seven, when I was seven months pregnant, and then again at seven and a half months. So how long did you keep her in for? Did you keep her in the full time or no? Five days shy of my due date. What? Ooh, that was yeah, really good then. Right. Because once they were like, okay, she can come now. She decided, nah. 
she wasn't ready. <laughs> right. I'm sure so. it's usually it's once they get to 37 weeks. So just three weeks early, then you're like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to call this good. We won't stop it if he comes. So then right. she decided and to take her own sweet time. Yeah. Then she was taking her own sweet time. If you didn't want me early, I'm going to just wait for later. <laughs> exactly. I remember when we had our ultrasound, my Chelsea is the youngest of four. Okay. We have we have his, hers, and ours. Okay. But we typically don't say that because we raised them all four, so they're all four ours. For sure. But between Chelsea and the next one, there's 11 years. Oh, wow. So she was truly the baby. Yeah, she was. Wow. I remember when we went for our ultrasound, you know, we told the three older kids, we have two other girls and then a boy. And we're like, okay, we're going to find out what, what the baby is. But, you know, nobody can be sad. My <laughs> son and I both wanted a boy. Uh-huh. My husband my husband kind of wanted a boy. And then the girls, of course, they wanted a sister. Yeah. So I remember coming home. Well, we went for the ultrasound and you know she was like do you guys want to know what it is and I'm like yeah but I want to guess and she said okay and I'm looking at this picture and I'm like it's a girl like that and she started smiling she's like you're right and my husband's I won't put it in his colorful words but he said what am I going to do with another girl (laughs) and about that time about that time you see Chelsea's hand go like this waving yeah from that point on she was 100% a daddy's girl there was no doubt about that (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, there's always a story of my uncle. My aunt and uncle had four kids and they had three boys and then they had their girl. And my uncle was, I don't know, not the kindest man in the world. And he said, what the blank are we going to do with a girl? That's kind of the same word my he husband just, used. But he yeah. just wanted all boys. He just wanted all of them. And of course, my aunt, I think, was very excited to finally have a girl after three boys. And yeah, but my no uncle kidding. was not feeling that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, you know, obviously, then being the little sister with three older boys was, I'm sure, pretty great for her, actually. So, oh, I am sure because I know with Chelsea being the youngest now, I do have to tell you when she was young, she annoyed the heck out of them. Yeah, I'm sure. Chelsea was, well, when she was born, she was born just beautiful. I mean, of course, we all say that, but she had long, beautiful, lots of black hair and started her her journey of being sick when she was four Mm -hmm. months old. Oh, really? (laughs) We woke up on New Year's Day and she was like running a, a really high fever and just screaming. And she was not really a crier. Yeah. So... You know, I called her pediatrician and they said, take her over to the hospital. So we did. And after many, many tests, they realized that she had a urinary tract infection. Oh, okay. And so she was hospitalized for five days at that point. And that started a very long journey for us because then she got UTIs constantly. Oh, dear. Um, And then she was hospitalized or not hospitalized, but she got pneumonia quite often. Wow. So I know she was like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm more mature with her. I'm doing the right thing. You know, with, with my daughter, who's right next to her, she was like my little suitcase. I took her everywhere, you know, with Chelsea, I was like, okay, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to do the right thing. You know, it's winter time. We won't go running out everywhere. Now, now looking back on it, I was like, I should have packed her up like I did Joni, you know, (laughs) but anyway, so she was sick a lot when she was little. She was hospitalized again at four years old with another 
uh, UTI. Wow. And then at that point, they were she had a really bad cold also, so they were doing tests and realized that she had pneumonia again. But then they were seeing, like, the spot on her lung. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we had to go through a pulmonologist, and they kept an eye on it. And they think it was just scar tissue from all the pneumonia. Wow. But they did keep an eye on it and measured it for about two years. And it never did go bigger or smaller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was like, we wouldn't know what it was unless we did surgery. And But, you know, I don't recommend that. There's no point to do that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we just left it be. So when we would go to the hospital, Chelsea would call it the big doctor. And when we would go to her pediatrician, that was the little doctor. Okay. So (laughs) I remember one time, I guess she was probably about seven or eight, and we were heading to the doctor. And she was like, are we going to the big doctor or the little doctor? And I'm like, the big doctor. And we had some, she had some appointments at our children's hospital. Mm -hmm. So we're in the car and she says, one day. I'm going to do something just like these big doctors and little doctors, and I'm going to help the world. Oh. And it was so sweet. And I was like, well, maybe you could be a nurse, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was probably the only time she ever really brought it up. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, she went through the crazy female teenage years. And then we were getting close to her graduating from high school. And I'm like, hey, you know, what are your plans? And she's like, well... I'm thinking about nursing, but I'm not 100% sure because I don't do math. Uh-huh. And she really, truly, she had, she had a mental block when it came to math. She just assumed she could not do math. Oh, yeah. So she wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So she went to our community college for about a year, and she was just like, I can't do this, Mom. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? She goes, I'm thinking about EMT or paramedic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well... Her and my husband made an appointment to go to one of the schools, you know, to take a tour and to talk to him. I was working that day and couldn't get off. So he was like, I'll go. And I'm like, okay. They come home and I'm like, well, how'd it go? And he goes, well, she signed up. She's going to be going to EMT school. Wow. Yeah, I was very excited about that. She did go to EMT schools. First time around, she was having problems passing the test. Chelsea is not a test girl or wasn't Mm -hmm. a test girl. And then she decided to take the class a second time. And that time it was like no problem at all. The first time she took the EMT test, she passed it. So she became an EMT. That's funny because when you were starting talking about her being ill as a child, obviously I didn't know any of that history, Mm -hmm. but I did know that she became an EMT. And I thought, wow, that's really cool that it, it likely was because of all of that, because of all those experiences and having to go in and out of the hospital that she was exposed to the medical profession at all, right? Otherwise she probably wouldn't have been. Like, it's just crazy how sometimes these certain circumstances make you into who you are, into who you become. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I always think myself, I when I put in my application to medical school, you know, many, many years ago now, I said in my little personal statement, I said, I'm wanting to become a doctor, both because of in spite and in spite of what happened to me, because I had never like I I mean, we we went to the doctor on occasion, just country kind of doctor. But until right. my parents both got cancer, I wasn't really exposed to the medical community. But then when they got right. cancer, then I was like there all the time. And then suddenly that became a part of me and a part of my future. 
which never would have happened. So I think about all those little UTIs that were just horrible and miserable and the pneumonias and all of that business, but it all was done for the reason that she became what she was and who she was, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. She um, also had scoliosis. Okay. And also had endometriosis. So yeah, she had quite a bit really medically. Yeah. She lived a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And then she became an EMT going to paramedic school Mm -hmm. and then got engaged. Oh, wow. And we were very excited. Chelsea's favorite holiday is her birthday. Uh huh. <laughs> but her real favorite holiday is Halloween. So she was going to get married on Halloween of 2020. Wow. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't make it that far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a little backstory Chelsea was a um, very much a pacifier baby. Okay. And, you know, I was to the point where I was like, how in the world are we going to get her to school without this thing? You know, oh, no. so she had a wonderful babysitter that helped me break her from it because my husband was no help. He was like, she's the baby. Let her have it. Let her have it. And I'm like, okay, but when she's 20, we can't say she's the baby. Let her have it. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. So with a lot of help from her babysitter, we got her off of the, the pacifier. But I remember if if we could not find a pacifier at bedtime, nobody in our house slept oh no our other three children were pulling couch cushions out and you know anything to find a pacifier so we could all go to sleep (laughs) she truly was the baby she was and i'll tell you as she got older her and her siblings became the very best of friends really Mm -hmm. i i the love that they all had for each other was just unbelievable they took her under their wing and I, yeah, I, when she passed, it was as hard on them as it was on us. They absolutely, and my daughter-in-law, my daughter-in-law has been in our life for so long that I just include her as one of my children. Right. Yeah. And I, they truly were best friends. Yeah. Well, and when there's such a big age gap, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. You know, you're the brother or the sister, but you're also a little bit of a caretaker too, right? Absolutely. So it's it's a little different role than the ones that grow up with them. When you grow up ahead of them, I don't mm-hmm. know, it's just a different kind of relationship. It's not a parent-child, obviously, but it's a little more that way. They're, I think their protectiveness over the younger ones is at a totally different level than when they're about the same age. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they protected her so much. I mean, even if Chelsea was like arguing with a friend and she started it. Yeah. They would jump in and they would be just like, you know, completely tearing this person apart. And I'm like, but she started it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. And they're like, I don't care. You know what? I have families like this a lot, you know, that will have the one, the kind of tag along. And I will have to have discussions with the parents. Like, I know that you are doing a good job, not letting her kind of get away with everything, but we have to have a talk with the brothers and sisters at home because sometimes they are the ones that like, oh, you know what? Just give her what she wants, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. 
Because <laughs> they just want her quiet and they just want her to be happy. And yes, you always think about that. The little ones sort of being spoiled. But a lot of times it's not the parents who do it. I mean, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's those older siblings that actually are the main culprit. Oh, yeah, I was I, I had everybody against me. I mean, she was definitely a daddy's girl. And then, you know, they all wanted to protect her. And so as much as Chelsea and I had a great relationship, mm-hmm. she probably fought with me more than anybody. Right, right. So it's not that surprising to me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So Chelsea, though, did have some other struggles, too. She did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, you know, besides the medical. Yeah. She was also engaged to a female, which, you know, we mm-hmm. wasn't a big deal to us because, you know, we absolutely love Brittany. Yeah. Because of all her her pain, she chose to get from from many at, at one point many different people prescription medication. Okay. Mhm. And this is the pain from her endometriosis and scoliosis and yes, yes, various her, kind of things, right? Right. Yeah. Her her endometriosis was to the point where she truly wanted to have a hysterectomy. It was that bad. Right. They had done two surgeries on her. The first one helped for nine months. The second one didn't do anything. But because of her age and not being and not being you know having any children, they wouldn't do a hysterectomy. Yeah. I didn't realize, because at the time she did not live at home, I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. Mm -hmm. And by the time I did, unfortunately, it was too late because, I mean, I would have went to our OBGYN with her and went to bat for her to do something, you know. But so, yeah, she she chose to get prescription medication from whoever would give it to her. Right. Right. To just kind of help with the pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's sort of what ended up leading to her death then, didn't it? It was, yes. November 6th of 2019. Chelsea and I had been in a kind of a text argument the night before, which I still have a hard time with it. Yeah. Because my last words were her to her were, you know, put your big girl panties on. So I was in the middle of texting her the next day. I work from home. So I was in the middle of texting her the next day, the next morning saying, hey, if I accused you of something you didn't do, I'm really sorry. Well, as I got to that point, my phone rang and it was her fiance, Brittany. And I answered because Brittany never calls during work hours. Right. So I answered right. it and she was in a complete panic. And she's like, I can't wake Chelsea up. And I'm like, is she breathing? She was, I don't know. I can't tell. I said, call 911. We're on our way. Yeah. So that started our uh, life of hell. Yeah. My husband heard me and he jumped up and he said, what's wrong? I said, Brittany's saying she can't get Chelsea up. We got to go. And I, in my heart, knew. Right. But I was begging and pleading with God to, to please let the paramedics revive her. Right. I mean, you feel like when they, when the answer is, I don't know, to, is she breathing? I don't know. You think that's no, right? Yes. I mean, yes, absolutely. And and I knew that that was the case, but I was just praying harder than I've ever prayed a day in my life. Yep. Yep. So Brittany had called me back as we we're getting ready 
And she's like, the paramedics are here. They're working with her. And I'm like, okay. Well, and about that time, I heard somebody in the background, some male, and he, he was really rude. And he was like, who is that? And she's like, it's her parents. And at that time, I, I heard him say something about give me the phone. And I just threw my phone at my husband because I knew it was coming. Yeah. And I heard this god awful scream come out of my husband that I've never heard before. Yeah. And I knew it was, she was gone. So we made our way over to their house, about 20 minutes away from where we live, but it seemed like it was hours. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And when we got there, they wouldn't let us in. They wouldn't let Brittany out. Because, you know, first suspect is always the spouse or, you know. Yeah, significant other, yeah. So they were questioning Brittany, and and I was getting very, very angry. And, you know, my husband was trying to calm me down. And then my middle daughter, she got there. Her best friend got there. And then my daughter-in-law's best friend. They were all close enough. My son and daughter-in-law lived two and a half hours away. And then Mm -hmm. our oldest daughter lives in Virginia. Uh-huh. So they all met us there. And then after, you know, they got done doing all their investigation, they asked if we wanted to see her. And of course we did. Yeah. So I was the first one to see her and she was laying on the floor and I was just like, why is my baby on the floor? I was like mad. And I heard Brittany behind me say, I was trying to, I had to move her there to try to do CPR. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, I get it. You know? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got to see her, and then my daughter-in-law called, and my son was in the Army at the time. Uh, He was finishing up his 20 years, and then he was retiring, and he was a uh, drill sergeant, so he was out in the field, and she's like, I can't get a hold of Randy. I'm going to pick a Dana, which is our granddaughter, up from school, and we're coming in. She goes, Randy will have to come by himself when I can get a hold of him. Well, she ended up getting a hold of him, so they were able to come in together. But that started the hell. I mean, I just, I don't even remember. I mean, I remember that day, yeah. but it's hard, you know? Right. I don't remember right. all the all the details. I remember Joni's best friend and Shannon's best friend, they were both like, okay, give us numbers. We're going to start calling people, you know? Because I was like, please, please, please tell everybody, don't put this on social media until, you know, we get a hold of everybody. And so these girls just started calling everybody for me. And, you know, they really took charge. And then, of course, my best friend, where I'm at now, I, Marcy, I'm telling you, I could not have done the past four years without her. She has been at my side for everything. And Chelsea's death was just the start of hell for us. Yeah. So anyway, Chelsea passed away from... Over an accidental overdose of prescription medication, mm-hmm. which was given to her by a family member. Yeah, that's so hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know that makes it more complicated. Yep. Yes, and we did not know that until after we got the toxicology report back, which was like four months later. So. Yeah, it's amazing how long those things take. They <sighs> you you think it's going to be really fast. You know? mm-hmm. and yes. that's fast it's all crazy slow oh absolutely because on remember... tv it's all done very quickly right right <laughs> right 
Right. So uh, you think this will be something fast, but it's just not. Yeah, I remember that night laying in bed and and I was just so angry with God. I mean, I just, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get over this. I'm so mad at him. You know, he took yeah. my baby. And uh, one of my friends, one of my really good friends that I've known since we were like young, he was actually in the Philippines at the time. And he, he called me and we were talking and I was just like, Mike, I'm so angry with God. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. And he was like, it's okay, Melissa. You can be angry with God because he can handle it. Right. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever get over it. And he goes, and if you don't get over it, he understands that too. Yeah. But I did. I'm so glad that you say that because that is exactly kind of how I felt for so long. I just. Oh, yeah. But I kept thinking to myself, if anyone can take it, God can take it. Mm-hmm. So I'm that I can be angry with, you know, I mean, right. There are certain things that you felt like you could be angry with and other things I feel like I don't want to be angry with. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I mean, it did take a while, but, you know, I'm not mad at God anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yes. That can take a long time. And like your friend said, sometimes never getting totally over that. Absolutely. And that's OK, too. It's OK, too. Yeah, he can mm-hmm. handle it. He can handle it. He can handle mm-hmm. it. So talk about then that grief journey, because you said that, I mean, it's just been such a long, hard road. Yes. Yeah, so a week after Chelsea passed, I became the full-time caregiver for my one of my little brothers. Mm-hmm. He had to move in with us. He moved, He had to move back. He lived in Florida for years, and then he had to move back his roses of the liver, mm-hmm. and... So I became his full-time caregiver, and he passed away in April of 2020. Wow. And then a few months later. I mean, you hadn't even, didn't even have time to grieve, Chelsea. No. I Honestly, Mercy, I don't think I've grieved yet. I really don't. Yeah. I, I um, wondered that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then a few months later, my husband ended up with meningitis. Wow. And we almost lost him. <laughs> oh, my word. Yes. So it was... It, Yeah, it was crazy. But, you know, when my little, when Chelsea passed, we were able to have the funeral and and the services and everything. And, you know, it was like unbelievable that the funeral director said she quit counting at like 500 people. Right. Yeah. But then, you know, my little brother passed. That was a whole different ballgame because then we were in the pandemic. Right. And so he, he got nothing, which broke my heart. But. I do have some of his ashes and he will go back to Florida. He he made me promise before he passed. He said, please take some of my ashes to Florida and throw them in the ocean. So all those fish I caught all those years can catch me. Oh, that's a (laughs) sweet thing to say. So so we are going to take him to Florida. It's just like been one thing after another, but he will get there. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, I, I was in counseling and then the pandemic came and the counselor that I was seeing, she was so overwhelmed and she was like, I have all these young kids and I just can't fit them in. So I chose to give up my spot mm-hmm. for, you know, a teenager because I knew they needed it more, not really more than I did, but I could handle more. Yeah. You know, they were going through something that they'd never been going through, you know, being home all the time and, you know, all this. So 
I gave up my spot. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. And then I guess it was the beginning of this year. I just told my doctor, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm back at day one. Yeah. I I just don't know what's wrong with me. I cry all the time again. I'm I'm sad. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. Thanksgiving, my my middle daughter, we were doing Thanksgiving at her house, but I cook because Joni does not. Mm-hmm. And I the turkey legs, because he was always my turkey leg eater. And so I'm like cutting this turkey and I'm like, these damn legs. And she goes, what? I go, these damn turkey legs. And she goes, what's wrong with them? And I'm like, Chelsea, that's all Chelsea ever ate. And she kind of gave me a look and then turned around. I go, I know, Joni, I know you guys are all ready for me to get over this and move on. And she turned back around and she had a few little tears in her eyes. And she said, no, mom, we're not ready for you to move on or get over it because we never will. What we do want to see is you guys happy again. So at that point, I'm like, I love the way she said that. I love the I way know. she said that. It was so sweet. Because she does want you happy, but she knows that she's not going to, you know, move past it, really. You just don't. I know. And I'm glad that, you know, you could get that from her, that she doesn't expect you to, and she doesn't expect herself to either. Oh, no. No. really key. Yeah, she is. Joni has truly thrown herself into um, school and work, and she has two children, and she actually had just finished her uh, degree in accounting last year, and then she had to take some classes to sit for the CPA. Mm-hmm. So this coming Tuesday is her last day to sit or her last class, and then she can start taking her CPA classes or test. And she's so excited to be done. Yeah, yeah. but and in the meantime, she got married and all this. So yeah, so my 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 son-in-law heard me about the turkey legs. And he came in there and he was like, he's like, I like turkey legs. And he grabs a bag and he starts putting the turkey legs in and And I'm like, I don't even know if he really liked the turkey legs or if he did that for my benefit. Mm-hmm. But what he did just helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it does help a lot. Yeah. So I'm back in counseling. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. So when did that start again here? Yes. That actually started. I'm thinking April or May, mm-hmm. my doctor set it up through uh, a different place, but it's only supposed to be temporary. So I actually just met with a new counselor last Friday. And so I will be ending with Carla and starting with Stephanie next week. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I just want to talk about that a little bit because I, you know, you're four years now out. And mm-hmm. at and it was at the three and a half year mark that you really truly started counseling because you did it a little bit, but you right. had to give it up so soon that right. honestly, you I don't think you'd even started grieving yet when you gave it up. No, no, I don't. I mean, when you think about it, right? I feel like you can't even start grieving in general until it's been probably six months. And for you, those first almost six months, like five months, you were caring for your younger brother. And there's no chance you were grieving. You were just thrown into everything into him and just trying to kind of ignore it. And I'm sure doing the thing that that so many of us do and just thinking if enough time passes, it will just get better. 
right? Exactly. But you don't really have to work on anything. You just just like punch in a clock and you're going to hit at a certain amount of time and then just everything's going to feel better. Absolutely. But that's not what happens. No, not at all. No, no. I mean, so it took you a while to realize that that, that you were not right. Yeah, I, you know, I saw everybody else, you know, I mean, my husband has struggled and, and he has been, it's been very noticeable, uh-huh. you know, all of our children, our grandchildren. I still have one granddaughter that's suffering severely. She did struggle from mental health issues beforehand. And, you know, and I'm like, everybody's had their time to grieve. And I feel like I'm just out here. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, I've cried. I've cried many a nights, but I don't. I haven't grieved. No, you haven't done the work of grieving. Exactly. And you kind of became a caregiver, right? You became the caregiver for your little brother. Yes. And then you've been worried about caring for your husband. Yeah. Because he got that meningitis. You worry about caring for your other kids. You worry about where their mental health is. You worry about all Mm -hmm. these things. But so often, I think we put ourselves on the back burner and we don't give ourselves that same care that we're trying to give other people. Absolutely. I I 100% agree with that because, you know, my whole life, that's what I've been. I've been a caregiver, you know, Mm -hmm. I've taken care of my siblings or, you know, my children and my husband and, and, you know, my best friend even said, you need you time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even know what me time is. (laughs) I mean, I think about you taking in your little brother like that. Obviously that is what your role was and how you identified yourself to mm-hmm. be willing to do that only a month after Chelsea died. Oh, it was a I week. Mean, or a week. Oh, a week after Chelsea died. Holy cow, even more so. Yes. I mean, I wonder what your family was all thinking when you decided you were going to do that. It was kind of thrown in my lap. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and I would never have turned any of my siblings down. But yeah, I think they were all just, I, you know, at that point, they were all still just in shock yeah. of losing Chelsea that... Well, and and honestly, they probably thought it would maybe be good for you in some ways to give you something to do. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, I, I, you just don't I don't think people realize how much time and effort you really should pour into yourself. Right. At that moment. Instead, they just want to somehow keep you busy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much so, because after Scott passed. I had like maybe three weeks and then I went back to work. And in that three weeks, I was just like, what do I do now? Yeah. Right. Because that's all you were doing was trying to do things in order to avoid grieving. Right. You know, I think you were just trying to keep yourself busy and avoid grieving. Yes. And then we were in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And in the pandemic. Yeah. So I was just like, it's not like we can really even do anything. You know, I know. I don't know. And it's really was hard, I think, to grieve in the pandemic because everyone was feeling like their lives were turned upside down, which they were. I under I mean yes. for sure. Everyone's life was life was turned upside down. But I don't think we as grieving people got maybe as much sympathy as we might have otherwise. You know? I agree. I agree. But I have to be I'm totally honest. The pandemic for me, I didn't mind it. Yeah, right. 
because you didn't have to look at other people. You didn't have exactly. to. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, there were there were some good things like I never yeah. had to walk into church. I mean, we just right. did church online. That was great for me because mm -hmm. I didn't actually have to look people in the eye and I didn't have to see their sad looks. And so that that could be easier. But then it was or see people run from you because <laughs> they didn't know what to say. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't see them run from you. So because that's hurtful. So mm -hmm. that, that was made easier by the pandemic for sure. But I just don't think people had as much sympathy for grieving people because they were oh, everybody's no. kind of feeling sorry for themselves a little bit. Yes. I mean, I still remember somebody in the office saying something about faking being happy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> about like, well, we've all been faking it or something. And and I looked at because I was a little bit miffed and I maybe shouldn't have said it, but I just looked at, back at her and I said, oh, I've been faking it for over two years now. <laughs> Mm -hmm. because because I thought I mean and it sort of did shut her up and I and like I said I sort of regretted saying it when I said it but I kind of felt like I needed to yes because I was just irritated at how everyone was feeling sorry for themselves and not thinking about how much worse it could be absolutely and like you know the big joke that like 2020 was the worst year ever. No, no. For me, it was 2018. For you, it was 2019. I mean, absolutely. That was far worse. Yes. Far worse. Absolutely. Now, for some people, certainly who lost their loved ones in the pandemic, 2020 was the worst, and I absolutely get that. But I also feel like they didn't get the sympathy they deserved either because oh, no, everyone I was agree. so busy feeling sorry for themselves. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. It was yeah. Yeah, it's it was hard. It was a hard yes. time for sure. And I'm sure that was difficult to not be able to get that kind of closure with little brother too. Mm -hmm. You know, it was easier for me because I was still hoping he was going to get a transplant, even though I, I in those five months, I saw him become very, very, very sick. Yeah. But I kept saying, you know, okay, Scott, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And I think at the end... He just knew, yeah. Because he started telling me all of his wishes. Yeah, we had some nights where we would just sit there and talk and and you know, just reminisce. And so for me, I felt like I had closure the last yeah. time I sent him to the hospital. You know, I was like, if he goes, I'm okay because we actually have had these conversations. You know, yeah, much different than Chelsea. Right. 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 Yes, absolutely. Because with Chelsea, it was just out of the blue, you know, and yeah, she just suddenly so, yeah. you're having a conversation and then the next day she's gone. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was horrendous and it will be forever. And, you know, now I just worry about all my children and my grandchildren and, you know, my oldest grandson, I he'll like for his birthday, he was going out with some friends and I'm like, I know you don't want to hear this. I said, but have fun and please, please, please be careful. And if you need anything, you know Nana's phone number. And he kind of rolls his eyes at me and I go, buddy, for the rest of my life, you're going to hear this. Yeah. I know. Right. So, so I do. I worry about all of them. So, I mean, I've always worried about them, but it's. It's a whole new level now, though. Yes. Yes. It's absolutely, absolutely. a whole new level. I just don't think you can go back to the level of worry that you had before losing your child. Oh, I agree. I agree. Chess was, yeah, she was, you know, like I said, the baby and she, 
was the life of the party. <laughs> yeah. I just think you lost your innocence. You know, you just know that the worst thing can happen and does happen. And if it's hap- happened once, then oh, it could happen again. And that's terrifying. That's what scares me. It does. It scares me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is terrifying. Horrible. Well, especially when you have your grandson that's going out to a party and you think, well, you could be making some really bad choices here. And yes, you know, yes, because since Chelsea has passed, we have four grandchildren that are now driving. Uh-huh. Our fifth one could, but she is our one that struggles and has no desire to get a license right now. So I'm like, you know, out of seven grandkids, five of them grandkids are driving or could drive yeah, since yeah. Chelsea has passed, yeah. you know? And I'm like, so now I got to worry that these guys are on the road too. Right. And it's funny because I don't think other people notice or can even think about how you worry about those things in a different way. You know, I mean, for example, I'm in the office yesterday and two of the nursing staff are just talking about how one of them was going somewhere and they were in horrible traffic because there was a terrible intersection of there was a terrible accident on the intersection of 131 and 96. That's where Andy died. Uh, That's where Andy died. And I'm in the same room and they're having the conversation about how it took her an hour to get somewhere because of this. And I totally get it. That's just an innocent conversation to have. They're talking about Mm. trying to find the best way around traffic but no one thought for even an instant about the fact that that is the location where my son died in a car accident. And if she was held up uh, for an hour, did someone else die there? I don't know. Cause that's all I'm thinking about. Right. 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 I mean, the other day I was going to get my hair done and I had to go on 131, and there was a terrible accident. The road had to be shut down entirely. And all I could think about was somebody's up there dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. that's where my mind goes immediately. Absolutely. And then I was getting my hair done and then now my hairdresser's looking in and they said, well, they had the, I she was looking up the article. They got the jaws of life there. The person's yeah. out out of the car. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you don't know that they're not dead. They could be dead. Right. Right. And and I didn't even look later because I don't want to know. Yeah, I, I but it just just these levels of worry that you have. And, yeah, you know, I see kids, goes. I see kids with their with their, on their with their ADHD and they come in and I don't take my meds on the weekend. And they're like 17 years old. Are you driving? Yeah. If you're driving, please take your medication on the weekend because you can't pay attention. And no one thinks about the fact that, you know, my child died in a car accident and I don't want you killing yourself or other people. Right. 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 Absolutely. So I don't know. It's we're just in a different we just have a kind of a different reality. Oh yeah. I think that other people do. And I think we will for, for the rest of our lives. I think it'll be like that. I know. You know, it's just, and I don't want people to feel like they have to be careful around me. I don't, but you know, yesterday too, I'm at the office. There's yesterday was an odd day because they had a radio like telethon thing for the children's hospital. Oh. And all they kept talking about were all these kids all had cancer and now they're all fine and they're all cancer free and it's all happy. And, you know, these sad stories turning happy. And I thought, I cannot take this anymore. I cannot right. listen to any more of this because you yeah. know what? They don't all live. A exactly. lot of them die. And you don't yes. ever talk about those on the radio, do you? 
nope, the ones that die are not talked about on the radio. It's the cute exactly. little stories of the ones that live. And mm-hmm. like, I just can't handle this. <laughs> and what's so funny is I said, we need to turn this off. I can't take this anymore. And one of the other nurses said, oh, yeah, they were just talking about this kid with cancer. This was so sad. And I said, oh, no, it's not the sadness that's making me mad. It's the fact that they all end happy. That's yes. what is making me irritated because a lot of times the ending is not happy. Right. And nobody wants to hear about the ones that aren't happy. So those aren't the ones that make it on the radio. And so true. So, so they quickly go over and change the radio station for me. And then it was like an hour after that, that they had the conversation about the car accident. So I'm like, I need and to be on like, vacation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I need to go now. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I, my husband has the cousin and I absolutely adore her. But our beliefs are a little different. So she wants, to, I, I don't hardly ever talk to her. And actually, it's funny, right before we started recording, I saw that she was calling me. I didn't answer because we were getting ready to record. But right. she always wants to say, Chelsea's, Chelsea's been promoted. She, I'm so excited because Chelsea's been promoted. Oh, my word. And I know she does I, not I, mean anything I bad know. about it. It's just so hurtful. Yes, I, because I, I want my daughter here. I don't want her to be promoted. <laughs> I know. And no one thinks that that is not a sweet thing to say. They all think that's such a nice thing to say to you. Yeah. And you know that. And you know that, right? You know in your heart of hearts that Chelsea is not in any pain anymore. She was always in so much pain. She's not in any mm-hmm. pain. She's totally happy. But that mm-hmm. doesn't help you right no, now. It doesn't. And her saying those comments about being promoted, like, okay, do you want all the members in your family promoted tomorrow? Because I exactly. imagine you wouldn't be feeling ecstatic and jumping up and down if suddenly right. it was three of your family members or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I've been avoiding her, but I really just need to have a conversation with her and just let her know that that bothers me because I truly, I do love her. I love her to death, but I've just been avoiding her because I don't want to hear anything about my baby being promoted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So They mean it in such a sweet way. I, they just don't think about it. They just don't think. No, they don't. And now you just feel like. On top of now feeling just sad and missing Chelsea, now you're like, oh, and now I'm a really crappy Christian too, right? I mean, yeah, right, right, exactly. That's, that's what know, it ends up being like. Now I feel horrible exactly. about my faith. I was finally yeah. not mad at God. I finally feel like maybe I'm in an okay place. And now I just took about 18 steps backward because exactly. I don't want God to promote her. And now, now exactly. that you know, it puts, yeah, it it just moves you back your faith back too. And she's wanting to move your faith forward with that statement, mm-hmm. but it's not helping. And in fact, it's moving it back. Yeah. That's probably what the conversation to have is to just say, I know that you are so meaning to help my faith and help encourage my faith, but I do have to be honest with you that it actually makes my faith go backwards. And I am in an okay place with God right now. But when you make those comments, Mm, it makes me start to get a little bit of that bitterness back and fall back in my faith a bit. So yeah, that might be a good way to try to put it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to have to have the conversation because I have been avoiding her for a while now. And, and, you know, now that I'm back in counseling yeah, and hopefully I'm going to get my own head straight, you know, I don't want to avoid people. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I, I just think being open and honest is the way to go with that. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And then, you know, the support group, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loving that. I just, all the ladies are so sweet and. Yeah. I feel like they're brilliant encouragement. Yes. Encouragement to each other. Cause so when did you start listening to the podcast? So the podcast, Uh I'm thinking it was the beginning of the year I found it and I don't even remember how I found it. Uh Okay. (laughs) But I just, I heard the first one. I was like, Oh, that's it. I've got, this is it. She's, she knows she gets it, you know? And I, I work four 10 hour shifts. So all day long, I would just binge listening one after the other. (laughs) Okay. And I, I don't know that that's a recommended, recommended way of listening, but Hey, you know, I, I just could not mercy. I could not get enough. And then I got to the very last one where I was caught up and I sat there and I paused it and I was just like, what am I going to do? This is it. You know, I I have to wait till next week, (laughs) you know? Uh So, but that's what I did. I I literally been listened to it for, I mean, it took me a few months to get through them all, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And then by that time you can say, okay, maybe I could do the support group. Right. Yes. Yes. And that's actually how I found the support group. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I might be able to do this too, you know? So right. this year has been a lot of good changes for me. So. Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds like you made so many good changes, thinking more and more about yourself and putting yourself a little bit at the forefront, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and so. that's so hard to do when you're grieving, but so important. So I'm so proud of you for doing that because it feels like you're being selfish but in actuality, yeah. it's not. I mean, you need to take care of yourself so that you are better able to take care of others. Absolutely. I actually did a mom's retreat weekend the beginning of November. Okay. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh my goodness, do I do this or don't I do this? You know, yeah. I kept wanting to back out and my daughter, my middle daughter and my daughter-in-law were like, my and my best friend, of course, were my biggest cheerleaders. They're like, you need to do this. You're going to love it, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the very end, I was like, I just don't know if I could do this. Yeah. And my daughter-in-law and my daughter both texted me and they're like, are you getting ready? I mean, they were just so encouraging. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And they're all like, no, you're going to do this and you're going to like it and you're going to be just fine. Yeah. So how was it? I met some of the most amazing people in the world. Oh. They had big groups and then they had smaller groups uh-huh. and the other five ladies that were in my smaller group, we will, will now be friends forever. Yeah. So where was it? it? Was Tell us about it. It was actually here in St. Louis. It was through BJC um, okay. at the uh, Palatine. And it's okay. actually literally like five minutes from my house. I didn't even realize it. Really? So was it just people in the St. Louis area or did people come no, from a long distance? No, people came from all over. One of the ladies in my group was from Florida mm-hmm. and another one was from Kansas City. Wow. Yes. But no, they, they, it, it was amazing. They take care of everything. They feed you. They give you so many pretty just gifts and, and, you know, they're very supportive you know, you have your small meetings, you can say anything in there you want, and it doesn't get repeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I met some just amazing 
beautiful women. Was it for bereaved moms? Yes. Only yes. Uh-huh. Bereaved moms uh-huh. only. Yes. Yeah. So what was what's the name of the organization again? BJC. Do you know what it stands for? Barnes Jewish Hospital. Oh, okay. Barnes Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, BJC okay. um, Hospice is what it's called. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I can actually, I have a link that I can send you. Okay. In case anybody is. So that if others were are interested, yes. please email me and then I can get that link to you. That yes, I can send you that perfect. link. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Oh, well, I am so proud of you. I'm proud of all the work you've done. It, you know, it was just, I just feel like you just started with our group in the last, you know, few weeks here. And several of the women that are in the group have shared the story, but many, many others have not. So it's kind of a mixture. And then mm-hmm. Melissa just kind of out of the blue was like, you know what? I think I want to tell my story in the podcast. Just, just yeah. kind of said that to me one day and I thought, perfect. Perfect. Because I never press people to do it, but it's wonderful if you do. Because I do think sharing stories is so, so healing. I agree. It's so important to our journey. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. And again, thank you for what you do. And I say goodbye to you for just a short time because I know I'll see you soon. So that's true. Bye bye. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can type Andy's mom, one word, to the number 53555. This provides a link to GiveButter, which allows donations through PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, or credit cards. GiveButter will provide a receipt of your tax-deductible donation. Or you can visit the donation page at andysmom.com donate. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 and can receive donations through Thriving Financial and Benevity. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com or on the Instagram or Facebook Always Andy's Mom accounts. Sign up for the email list to get weekly episode links as well as pictures of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.